Project Management Insights, providing project managers with professional development in the interpersonal skills areas of leadership, team building and communication. Hi, welcome to this episode of Project Management Insights and today I have a visitor with me. Uh, this is Liam Martin, who's one of the co-founders of Time Doctor. And today, Liam and I are going to jump into a discussion on the importance of time management and how that impacts on your project. So welcome, Liam, and thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. Yeah. So we both know that from a project perspective, managing time and uh, and that the impact of, that that has on budgets or to managing the money is really important. And how do we know then when we're on a, working on a project team that people are working and doing what it is that they're supposed to be doing? I think that was one of the key problems I always had as a project manager. I could never tell whether they were working efficiently or not. Mm. Well, I think that you actually just touched on a point beforehand which is there is uh, an assumption inside of, at least in large corporate, and this is what we see, uh, which is the ability, an employee could not requisition a paperclip, as an example, but they can definitely call a meeting for two hours with 10 employees, at which, and they're all at 30 to $40 an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, you've just bled. So time is not perceived in a monetary sense. And that is when you look at the, a corporation, a corporation runs on money. Um, it runs on, it runs on, t- that's basically what it runs on. Time is just a result of the purchase of that money. Yep. So when I look at doing meetings ourselves, um, I actually always ask, does everyone need to be in this meeting? Do I need to be in this meeting? What am I actually getting accomplished in this meeting? How are we moving forward to be able to get to the point in which we're actually going to be successful in accomplishing what we need to accomplish? And a lot of the times uh, I see it even in ourselves and then I see it a lot in uh, generally the larger the company gets, the more of that waste occurs because there is, there's a lot more people and there's a lot more stakeholders that you believe need to be involved in a particular project when in reality they do not. And so I think that's probably one point that we really want to address beforehand is if you can actually minimize that then probably, even though I'm quite biased, uh, being the co-founder of a time tracking tool, if you can actually minimize that, you're probably going to get bigger gains than simply focusing on time management. Okay. Per employee. Yeah. Now, once you get into time management, once you've actually been able to have an efficient deployment of time and resources, uh, time management for us is definitely one of those things that we've found in our data has been. Um, uh, a relatively interesting, um, we, we have, as an example, I was just speaking to a couple of our salespeople today, and we have some salespeople that are very detail-oriented, uh, so they'll fill out everything in their CRM, which is a customer relationship management software, whereas we have other sales reps that won't, that are very good salespeople, but actually are quite lazy. And then we'll have very detail-oriented, um, diligent salespeople that aren't as good at doing sales, well, the detail-oriented ones actually 
close more deals. And we've been able to figure this out at scale um, because I had, I had mentioned before, we analyzed thousands and thousands of sales reps across our entire network. So we can really tell the differentiator between, well, what makes a successful salesperson successful? And you may only have a sales team of five, 10, 20, 100 people or developers or customer support reps or whatever it might be. So SMBs cannot really discover those insights. And to be honest with you, large corporate can't either because there hasn't been the proper measurement in place to be able to look at that data. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are general insights that you can have, which on the surface seem counterintuitive, but when you tunnel down into it at scale, it actually becomes very clear. One of those being the more detail-oriented you are as a salesperson, uh, the more deals that you close. And it's not necessarily that you're a better salesperson, but it's that you uh, less deals fall through the cracks. So you call back those people at the right time because you set up the triggers to be able to do it at the right time. And it all kind of boils down into process, which is fundamentally what we're talking about um, so people who I said in another way, the people who follow the process are usually more efficient than the people who aren't. But at an individual level, that always seems wrong because bureaucracy always seems slower when in reality, it's actually faster. So from a, as a project perspective, then what I'm hearing is the best way to be efficient in a project is to have the strong process and, and for me, that process and the foundation is a very strong business case, which details what the change is and how, it, how it's going to be, how that change is going to be carried out for the business. And that's your project definition. And then your business requirements detail the specifics of what's required for the project. So for me, that the, it, the stronger the foundation and the clarity on what a project is wanting to attain so what the outcome is and mm-hmm. and how that's going to how that's going to be uh, delivered mm-hmm. and the method by which that's going to be delivered so the fact that there are these people involved and here's their tasks then the stronger that is the more efficient the the project will run right i mean that's that would be my opinion i don't yeah. know if you would differ from that but I think for me, it really does boil down to, and I'm to also, I also want to warn against everybody. I'm actually the counterpoint of that. I'm probably one of the most inefficient people uh, in the organization. I'm the one that usually goes off on tangents all the time. I'm the one, and there are certain type of personalities that you need those types of people inside of an organization, but you only need so many. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you need a creative thinker that can think outside the box. Mm. But in reality, unless that is your job, uh, so unless you're kind, you're, you're trying to think up new features for a piece of software, as an example, and try to understand what a customer wants, which is basically somewhat of a psychological and sociological exercise, um, the rest of work is is not, at least in our business, is not that type of work. It's answering customer support tickets. It's writing code. It's uh, talking to sales, uh, you know, c- to customers. It is uh, designing websites. Those types of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I guess um, as project managers, because the the podcast is this podcast is very much tailored towards project managers. Is there something that project managers can do or become aware of, or in their way of thinking? 
to look at their team members to see, I guess, what you've just spoken about, that individuality, because I've I've spoken about how it's important that team members are treated as individuals with skills and knowledge, and it's about how to get the best from them. And so is there a way for them, uh, you know, a, a tip to be able to s- notice the way people are working and then work with that as opposed to against it maybe? Right. Yes. No, absolutely. Mm. And so the tool that you have, though, is is a tool that tracks the time usage? It tracks four variables. It tracks the websites, applications, mouse movements, and keyboard movements of a computer terminal. So that's basically all it does is it measures those four variables. And from that, you're able to figure out while you're completing a task. So in essence, you have a task list. And then you would say, I am currently working on a meeting with Karen, which is my current task right now. And it has been running for uh, about 21 minutes and 32 seconds at this point. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this call, I'll know how much time I spent on Zoom, how much time I spent on my Gmail account. um, And I'm able to kind of conglomerate all of those. And then if I take all of the podcasts that I've ever done, I can actually figure out what a podcast looks like. So how long does it take me to do it? Uh, what was the, what were the tasks beforehand that I needed to do? So mm-hmm. you had mentioned Espy as an example, who was the person that initially reached out to you with regards to this? How long, how long does that take her to be able to do it? Cause she'd still be working on podcast um, outreach as an example. Yep. So there's a system and there's a process built into it, but then you can document how long it takes in what the long-term return on investment would be. Okay. And so it, when we're talking about a project where you have a lot of remote workers, that would be really valuable because you're not exactly. there. They're not, they're not in, in the same space as you are in terms of physically. And so right. you've got no way of understanding exactly how they're spending their time, mm-hmm. what they're spending their time on. So is this is a really valuable tool to be able to monitor the, what the remote workers are doing? Yep. And in a certain context, there's definitely a component of monitoring. Uh, We like to focus more on the productivity increases. So our general perspective is what doesn't get measured doesn't get managed. And if you're measuring somebody's time, then you can actually completely, you understand they're working in a completely different way. Um, so that's what we focus on, but there is a component of monitoring to it undeniably. Um, it's one of those things that you can have something that just simply monitors what you're doing. But then for us, we really focus on trying to make the employee more productive because simply just monitoring what they're doing doesn't really make them more productive. If we can give them insights into what they're doing with their work day and their work week, then we can actually get real gains. So as an example, I do not work on Tuesday afternoons. Uh, I stopped work at around 2 p.m. And mm-hmm. the only reason why I was able to come to this conclusion and why I take Tuesdays off, Tuesday afternoons off, is I was looking at months of my data and I had uh, my, my productivity dropped on Tuesday afternoons. And I didn't really know why. And then I discovered that it was because in Canada, we have cheap movie nights on Tuesdays. Right. And so my girlfriend would call me saying, hey, 
are we going to see Batman or Superman? And I'd say, oh, you know, I'd like to see Superman. Oh, I don't want to see Superman. What's it rated on Rotten Tomatoes? So then I'd go there and check that. Does, you know, Suzanne want to come? Why don't you call Suzanne and find out how many tickets should I buy? And it was this back and forth process of just disruption and interruption yeah. throughout the afternoon. So I wanted to continue to go to the movies. Um, I liked that activity. And I realized that if I just took that time and I put it somewhere else, so if I worked on a Thursday later, um, I'd actually be a lot more productive. And since for us, we don't, so for us as a company, because we implement Time Doctor, we have a mission statement from an HR perspective, which is employees can work wherever they want, whenever they want. So as long as they get their work done, they can do it wherever they want and whenever they want. If they want to do it from 12 to 4 o'clock in the morning and that's when you're, you can work the best, mm-hmm. uh, then you can do it. Now, you actually have to back that up through data. So you have to show us that you're productive between midnight and 4 o'clock in the morning. And we don't necessarily tell you how to work because for us at the end of the day, we really just want the highest amount of output in the smallest amount of time. Yeah. Um, and so if you can implement that, and say, yeah, I work really well from 12 to 4 a.m. Look at my productivity. I'm completely in work mode, you know, during those hours. Then I'm more than happy to be able to have you work during that time. If, however, you're constantly distracted, mm. uh, then that's a big problem. Yeah, yeah. I can see, you know, in the general sense, uh, working in the corporate space where I have been for many years, how fantastic that would be because there are times, you know, I'm a morning person. And so my most productive time is from five o'clock in the morning until, you know, about midday. And then Mm -hmm. I don't tend to be as productive later in the day. And so Mm -hmm. that ability to be able to start work at 5am, it's not easy to get into corporate buildings and, you know, commence work at 5am. There's not people around. The the building's not open, you know, it's not the most most, uh, productive time for it or most conducive time to to working in a standard corporate space and yet within the flexibility to know well that is my best and most productive time how much more valuable I would be to a business or project team if I'm allowed if I'm allowed to work that because that is my most productive and and most effective time yeah how much actual work do you think someone gets done in an office per day and what I mean by work is you work on a computer. How much computer work done do you think work do you think someone gets done throughout a day? I would say it's probably lucky to be an hour. To yeah, it's about two hours and thirty minutes to forty five minutes per day. Yeah. That's the and amount of actual work that you get done. There are a whole bunch of things around that. So what we try to do is say, well, we know that you're only going to get it two two and a half hours. What if I could get you to three and a half hours? Right. I could. I could increase your productivity by a third. Yep. Um, and that actually isn't that difficult when you look at the all of the processes that need to go on to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, with a couple small tweaks, you can easily be up and running and know when those distractions are going to come up, when that meeting request is going to come up, um, you know, focus on, and there's, there's core fundamental sort of perspectives towards productivity. Don't start your email at the beginning of the day. Um, don't do things that wouldn't, you know, focus on things that are actually going to be, uh, useful throughout 
the rest of your day and don't focus on things that are going to be distractions. Um, (laughs) that that's very easy to do, um, or very easy to say, but it's actually one of those things that unfortunately leeches into our work all the time. Uh, and the reason being is most websites right now and companies, uh, their, their real sort of the way that they succeed is by interrupting you. Yeah. Um, if they can interrupt you better than everyone else, then they win. Uh, so Facebook is very good at interrupting you. It can mm. beep and bop and it can beep you with something that you find interesting, a message that you want to read or an interaction that you want to have. Twitter can be a distraction. YouTube can be a distraction. These things distract you constantly. So mm. as an example, inside of Time Doctor, if you uh, have set it to not distract you, to keep you focused, if you go to Facebook within about 10 to 20 seconds, you'll get a pop-up saying, are you really working on meeting with Karen? Okay. And you could say, no, I'm not. And then it would put you on break and we would just psychologically say you're no longer working and you can accomplish what you need to accomplish. Or yes, this is part of my task. But it's just giving you that gentle reminder to say, you actually are now leaving productivity and you need to get back into it. Oh, sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. and it is. It's, it is one of those things that I think um, one of the things I do understand about a lot of the large corporates in Australia anyway is that they have limited internet use policy. And mm-hmm. so that does make a difference. And yet, there are limitations on that because there are times when you need the internet for your work, for what you do, and mm-hmm. it then minimizes your ability to do your work and it feels like you're in a bit of a police state because so much of that is shut down rather than allowing you to self-manage how you manage the time and, and yes. use your way. And I would also say two counterpoints to that are um, we've gone into large Uh, companies and looked at ones that have locked out certain sites. And then when we study it, we find out that they're actually just bypassing the, um, the firewalls anyways, to be able to access those sites. And there's ways of doing it that are relatively easy. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, if you actually do a qualitative study, you find that those sites blocking those sites ends up being even more of a distraction because you switch to your mobile device. Yeah. And you're completely disconnected from your work terminal. And now you've completely gone to a mobile device, as an example, which now every single person has. So our argument is do not block these sites. In reality, we actually tell our employees, if you're spending a 40-hour work week and you're spending an hour or two on Facebook, that's acceptable, uh, for at least for us, because we know that life gets in the way and there are distractions that happen. And there are distractions that sometimes re-energize people. Uh, so between people that don't look at Facebook at all and people that look at Facebook, um, sparingly, so let's say under an hour per week, Mm -hmm. we actually find their productivity is higher than the people that don't. Now, because of the way that our data set is put together, we believe that the people that are not looking at Facebook in reality are, but they're just going to their mobile device in which it's off of our network. Um, but there is, you know, there's a lot of data to show that, sometimes small distractions actually end up giving you a net gain. So you need to kind of, most of my work is just questioning assumptions of large corporate companies saying, well, do you really believe that a 40 hour work week is the right amount of you know work hours for productivity? 
Yeah. And you try to have 25 hour work week. Do you think that you would get more work done in 25 hours than in 40 hours? Yeah. Because based off of our data, uh, we find that the vast majority of their time is not spent actually working. It's just spent doing stuff around work. And then if you reduced it to 25 hours, they'd actually get more quality work done. There'd be a net increase of work completed. Yeah. Um, but those are quite counterintuitive. And a lot of corporate does not agree with that. And that is, that's quite unfortunate because I think that people could have much happier lives um, if we focused on the data as opposed to just being in the office from nine to five. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I can see that our talk on individual productivity is going to be really valuable for our project managers, at least I hope, hope it will be. And mm -hmm. so if you want to check out Time Doctor, um, where can they find it? can go to timedoctor.com mm -hmm. and uh, just sign up. You'll get a 30-day free trial. You can play with it as much as you want. And um, if you're interested in deploying it in a bigger way, just email us. The email is uh, support at timedoctor.com. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Liam. And till next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Project Management Insights podcast. Be sure to visit projectmanagementinsight.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter or to receive updates on upcoming training.